this church of the goodness of God. Amen? Thank you. Can we give a round of applause for these people leading us into worship today? I just wanted to let everyone know that we will be taking and, and, and participating in communion, serving communion at the end of this service this morning. Uh, you're being handed now one of these. A little handout. I encourage you today to, uh, to use this. And we've got pens, I think. There. If anybody needs a pen, you could ask one of these fine gentlemen. I'm sure we can get you one. I think we've got probably enough. But there's some places I'd like you to, as we follow along, to, uh, to make notes. There'll be places you'll see to fill in the blanks here. And uh, I'll take this home, and I want you to... This is going to be a little different type of message today, but I think it is extremely, extremely important. Now, I think, I, if I'm not mistaken, I'm coming through, maybe not. Something's giving me a little bit of an echo. That sounds a little better there. Thank you. So today, I want to talk about something that has been, I'm, I'm going to tell this story at a future date, but something that has been put in my heart for almost, for really in a real specific way, for for uh, two years and uh, over the last eight to nine months, increasingly more and more and more. And I'll, I'll tell that story at some point here in the upcoming weeks because I, I think it's important. But what I want to talk about today is simply this, that as believers, it is our call to follow Jesus and to teach others to follow Jesus the importance of discipleship. And that's the topic of what we're going to discuss today. Um, John Wesley, who was one of the great English evangelical uh, leaders of his day, and really in history, preacher, evangelist, author, uh, also the founder, along with his brother Charles, of what would be known as the Methodist Church today, or Methodism. Uh, So many of you may know who John Wesley is. Giant of the faith. Uh, But he said something, and and it was very powerful when I saw this. And I just saw this quote recently, amongst many other things that I've seen, uh, as I've been looking into this, researching, and and just praying about this, and just trying to absorb as much information into my spirit about this topic. And this is what Wesley said. The church changes the world, not... By making covers. Now, if you stop there, that could be very controversial to a lot of people. What do you mean? We're out here, we're, we're trying to win people and, and to and get people to understand that they need to accept Jesus Christ in their life. We do. That's important. But what he's saying is this, and I think he was a great soul winning evangelist. I don't think there's anybody that would, that would question that. But the church changes the world not by making converts, but by making disciples. We are called to make disciples. It is the heart of what Jesus said when he commissioned the church, his church. And it's all recorded in Matthew chapter 28. So if you'd like to turn there, we'll have it on the screens. If you have your Bibles or your devices with you or your version app, wherever it is, Matthew chapter 28, we're going to be looking at verses 18 and 20. And I'm going to read from the Amplified Version because I think it sheds a little uh, additional insight into these, this passage. And so we'll start here in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. It's 
says this. Jesus came up, or came and up and said to them, all authority, that means all power of absolute rule, in heaven and on earth, has been given to me. Go, therefore. See, now, he's declaring, I have been given all of the power. Heaven, earth, all of it. Absolutely, unequivocally, he's been given all the power. He's declaring it, and it is true. So as a result of that, or go therefore, and some versions have it a little different, but go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Help the people to learn of me, believe in me, and obey my words, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, remaining with you perpetually, regardless of circumstance, and on every occasion, even to the end of the age. That is a powerful group of scriptures right there. You think about it. He has all the authority. Here's what he's asking us, commanding us, in fact, to do. And yet he's telling us, no matter what the circumstance, on every occasion, the Amplified Version says, he is with us. So everything he's asking us to do, he's right by our side. Now this passage of scripture is referred to by uh, many, or by most, not all I guess, as the Great Commission. How many know what the word commission means? Most people think... Commission, yeah, I sell something, I get a percentage, right? That's true, that's one of the definitions of commission. But in this context, commission, it would be defined, I want to put a slide up here, as a noun, it would be the act of committing or entrusting a person or group with supervisory power or authority, an authoritative order, a charge or direction, authority granted for a particular action or function. Now, this is dictionary.com, I'm not making this up. And it is a verb, it would be to give commission to, to authorize, to send on a mission. So now, if we understand what that means and why they call it the Great Commission, you can see from that what that what, what the, the, the power of what that is and what Jesus is saying. Now remember, again, it's called the Great Commission. They didn't decide to call it the Great Suggestion. <laughs> okay? It's not the Great Suggestion. So what is Jesus telling this group of people to do for the rest of their lives? To go and make disciples. Among some other things, but that's what he's saying. That's the, that's the main point. He didn't say, go and bring the people to pray a prayer, accepting me as their Savior. Again, I don't want to get in any trouble here. Don't know anybody. I've said it once, I'm going to say it this last time. Don't anybody get any misunderstanding about what I'm preaching here today. You have to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You have to do that to get into heaven, and you have to do that to avoid hell. That is a fact, and it has to be done, and it's available to everybody, no matter who it is. Believe in your heart, declare it with your mouth that you believe Jesus was raised from the dead, and you will be saved. Hallelujah! So that, let's, okay, we cleared that up. <laughs> but, they, that's not what he was saying. He said in other places, he said a lot of things, but I'm speaking specifically.
specifically about this area of the Great Commission and discipleship today. He didn't say, go and create a great institution named after me. He didn't say, go and create the Assemblies of God denomination, or the Methodist, or uh, Presbyterian, or the Southern Baptist, or anyone. And again, I have nothing against any of these bodies of, uh, of fellowships and, and denominations, not at all. I'm not saying that. That's not what he said to do. Not what he was concerned with. He didn't say, go and build great facilities and host great events and have great programs for your people. There's nothing wrong with great facilities. In fact, I think it's a, a necessary thing. If there's nothing wrong with having great events. We had one last weekend. There's nothing wrong with great programs to teach and to, and to have people be able to grow. Nothing wrong with any of that. But that's not what Jesus said. And finally, he didn't say this. He didn't say, okay, all authority has been given to me, and now wait and see what happens. Sit back and wait and see, and you'll see, and I'll do everything, and then we'll figure it all out. And that's what's going to didn't say that either. Here's what he said. He didn't say wait and see. He said, go and make. I want to say this. I was going to say it at the beginning, and then I decided not to say it again now. <laughs> I hope in a good way that this talk today makes some of you uncomfortable. Mm, that was really snap. I'm going to get silence. I can say, that's it. I want this to make you uncomfortable. Because you know why? It makes me And in this context, there's nothing wrong with it. We need to stop. We need to get out of comfort. So as we grow in our faith and in our relationship with Jesus, it is our absolute responsibility to make disciples. And we fulfill this great commission only as we develop people. Young and old, rich and poor, from one side of the tracks or the other, up, down, left, right, east, west, northeast, Yankees, southerners, it doesn't matter what race, religion, it doesn't matter. It is our responsibility to develop people into faithful followers of Jesus. Otherwise, we don't do this for many people, and I've met many of these people in my life. Many of them. What happens is, they accept Jesus, they make a decision we were talking about before, but then the challenges and the difficulties of life that invariably are going to come along can derail or even cause them to lose that relationship with Jesus. It's, it's happened so many times, I don't even, I, 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 could, I could tell you story after story of people that I personally know. Now, why is this? Why is it that it's so easy for people to fall away? Well, I believe a great deal of that is because we, as the, as the church, or as, a, as, a, as ministry leaders and as people who are believers and Christ followers, we are not leading people to grow and mature and serve in the body of Christ. But what's the big idea of this today? It's on your little list here. Then I'm going to give you a couple of blanks. I think it's up here too. Discipleship is essential to effective ministry in the church. Since you didn't respond to that, I'm going to have you read it with me. Discipleship 
is essential to effective ministry in the church. Nothing we are and nothing we do has more potential to change the community we live in and the world than making disciples. When I wrote that, I had no, I hadn't found that Wesley quote yet. It hit me like a ton of bricks, man. When I saw that quote by John Wesley, I opened with I had already written this a while back, and then I saw that, and I'm like, man, John Wesley's thinking the same way. <laughs> but, 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 but to change things in our lives, that's it. And Jesus talked about this. He gave clear teaching and descriptions of a lot of different things that we could talk about. I'm going to limit it to five quick things, and they're on your, on your uh, list there as well. First, a disciple of Jesus obeys God's word. He, obe- he or she obeys God's word. You can't just know it. You have to walk in obedience with it. Has anybody ever heard the term out in the culture, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free? Of course. You know that there are a lot of people who know that don't even know that that comes from Scripture? That that is actually Jesus speaking. A lot of people don't know that. There are people that say it and all kinds of seen it on TV shows and in, in uh, newscasts and things. And people throw it around. Now, a lot of people may know where it comes from, but a lot of people don't. And, and, and that's the words of Jesus. So I ask this question to you. How many of you, and you don't have to raise your hand or anything, but just think about it. How many of you want to have truth in your life? All of us, right? If there are going to be put it this way, if there isn't anybody, please stand. Who doesn't want truth? You want truth when you go to get your car fixed, don't you? You want truth when you're going to your teachers and uh, to the, your children's teachers to find out what, how they're doing at school. You want truth when you're uh, speaking to your wife about whether she got all the things at the grocery store that you needed. Where's my wife? <laughs> there she is. Right? Don't I need truth on that? <laughs> I, I'm kidding. We need truth in every circumstance of our life. We desire it. We want it. That's what it is, truth. How many want freedom in their life? We talked about Veterans Day. We live in a free country. Who doesn't want to be free? In this country, the freedom we enjoy, some people, we, we, I think, sometimes take it for granted. We can live where we want, eat what we want, shop where we want, go where we want. We can go out at 3 o'clock in the morning, although I don't recommend it. We can go out at 3 o'clock in the afternoon or at any other time. We can drive around. We can get where we want to go. There are certain restrictions we have. There are legal and, and laws that we have to abide by. But generally speaking, we can pretty much do what we want. Sometimes that can be a real temptation and a challenge for people. But the fact is that freedom, but it's not just limited to societal freedom. It's freedom from things like, don't we want to be free from bad habits? Don't we want to be free from things that bind us? Don't we want to be free from addiction and other things? And again, I could go on. But freedom is something every person that I've ever met, and I believe everyone, with no exception, in this room wants, is truth and freedom. So Jesus said it. So now we talked about the culture, so I'm going to go to this first verse here that he says this. So you can hear it exactly as Jesus said it. It says this in John 8.32. And you will know the truth, and the truth, say it with me, will set you free. Now, there's a big word in there, and in some translations it's a little bit different. But that first word there, you see that? And. 
So when you see that, you're going to think, well, there's got to be something before that, right? Something important. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Well, here's what the verse before that is, John 8, 31. Look at this. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. So let's put it together. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Being a disciple, being faithful and obedient to God's word and to his teachings will bring truth into your life. It will bring freedom into your life. A disciple of Jesus has to obey God's word. The next one, a disciple of Jesus is loving. John 13, 34, and 35 says this. So now Jesus is speaking again. I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Prove it by the love you have for one another. A disciple of Jesus is loving. A disciple of Jesus is fruitful. He will bear fruit. I, I don't know when it was, a year or so ago, I preached a couple of sermons about uh, the vine and the branches and abiding in the vine. And, and, and I just have always been so powerfully moved by John chapter 15. But those first few verses talk about that. And, but, but in John 15, 8, it says this, When you produce much fruit, you are my true... I'm just going to stop like that. I'm going to ask you guys to speak to make sure I keep you with me here. You are my true disciples. And look at this. This brings great glory to my Father. Isn't one of the purposes that we have here on earth to glorify God? In all that we do, in our behavior, in the way we speak, in the way we act, in what we do to glorify God? Well, here's one way to do it. Produce fruit in your life. Be a true disciple. That brings great glory to the Father, Jesus said. disciple of Jesus is fruitful. A disciple of Jesus speaks hope and life. Have you ever been around people, and boy, I struggle with this sometimes. Have you ever been around people who just everything is like negative? Or, and again, nothing against, I'm not trying to be judging anyone. I'm just saying, there's people that just always see the glass half empty. It just is sort of like they speak, oh yeah, well no, that's going to not work out because of this and that. Whatever it might be. But a, but a disciple of Jesus is going to speak hope into people's lives. It's going to speak hope into your family. It's going to speak hope into your circumstances. It's going to speak life. A disciple of Jesus will speak hope and life. Second Timothy 4.2 says this. Preach the word of God. Be prepared. Whether the time is favorable or not, patiently. Say patiently with me. It's real important, guys, on this so far here. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. You need to be ready at any moment in time to speak hope and truth and life into the circumstances and the people around you. At all times, a disciple of Jesus speaks hope and life. And a disciple of Jesus lives it out. I like the term, walks it out. You don't just talk about it, you don't act about it, you don't make a, a statement about it, yet you live it. You walk it out. 
the disciple of Jesus does that. 2 Corinthians 3, 2, and this is from the Passion Translation. It's it like this. Our very, for your very lives are our letters of recommendation, permanently engraved on our hearts, recognized and read by everybody. Your very life represents Jesus. Your, what you do represents Him and how you've been taught and how you've been discipled. That's Paul, right? Talking about that. And there's a context that is beyond that. But it, but it's important to know that as a disciple, you live what you say. You don't just do the people like in politics now. Do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> Things like a lot of them are, I'd say. A disciple of Jesus lives it out. So now, for those who are not engaged in a discipleship pathway, uh, or, or what would some would call immature Christians, and I hate all, sometimes using that term, but I think it fits in a way because being an immature Christian is not a it, it, it's not a bad thing. You know why? Because it thinks you're a Christian. <laughs> okay? No, I'm serious. What we're talking about today is moving from an immaturity to a maturity, and there's Paul wrote about this about you know, infants and, 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 and having milk as opposed to the meat. And we're not going to get into all that, but I'll tell you that. Being an immature Christian is nothing to be ashamed of. Being an immature Christian is an opportunity to grow. It is. And I believe there are many people that are, even that think that they may be mature Christians. And again, that's not, that's not a criticism. Because sometimes we are still controlled. If you're an immature believer... You're still controlled by your own plans, your own thoughts, your own goals, your own desires. That's what controls. And, and again, that that's not surprising to me. This, I, I try to think of an example to explain this. I think about it like this: If you were a farmer your whole life, maybe there are people who, who do farmers or professionals. If you were a farmer though your entire life, you had been born and raised in it, and all of a sudden, let's just say at 40 years old, right at the midpoint of your life, let's say roughly. Finished your farming activities on Friday, and on Monday morning you became a banker. What would you do? There'd be a learning curve, wouldn't you think? From farming to banking? Yeah, there would be. But just think of it. Stay with me, if you will, on this. You'd have to learn new things. You'd have to develop new routines. You'd have to pick up and develop new habits, probably. You'd have to. To, to learn different disciplines and different things that you would have to do to be successful. And, and see, spiritually mature, uh, what I would call disciples, are in, their lives are in alignment, not perfect, not that there aren't mistakes in them, but their lives are in alignment with God's plans. What God's goal for your life is. What God desires is what you desire. Once you've hit that point and you really can say yes to all of those things, you've reached a level of maturity. There's no end point, by the way. We're always growing, so I'll just throw that in as well. But but that is important that we know that if you want to be spiritually mature, you're going to have to take God's desires is what you truly desire for your life, for your family, for what you're doing here on this earth. And, and it's so important. We've got so many spiritually mature, wonderful people in this fellowship. And, and again, I don't think there's a right or wrong somebody's less mature than others. It's not a score. We're not in a competition here. We're all in this together. Have you ever seen in our church literature it says experience life together? Let's do that. Let's experience life together. 
not that I'm here, you're there, this and that. that that's, that's for the birds, man. I'm just tell you like it is. It's not, that's not the right way of thinking. There's a guy named Kevin DeYoung. He, uh, he's written a lot about discipleship and he's thought about it a lot. He's a respected speaker on this topic as well as I think he's a pastor. Um, anyway, he said this. He said, the one indispensable requirement for producing godly, mature Christians is godly, mature Christians. You see what that means? If you want to bring somebody along like the, like the farmer, <laughs> you need to have somebody come alongside. And, and that's an indispensable requirement, as he says. So there's two things about, and there's others, but I'm just, the purpose of a life walking in a discipleship pathway, this is on your little list here, is this, deepening and growing your relationship with Jesus. So this is done, deepening and growing your relationship with Jesus is something that's done day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, you start over, it's a 24-7, 365 Thing. If you were that farmer becoming that banker, every day by day, week by week, month by month, you'd probably become better, more proficient, more skilled at becoming a good banker. So that's one. Deepening and growing your relationship with Jesus is, 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 the, is the purpose that you have in walking in the discipleship pathway. And making disciples who can then make disciples. Teaching them to observe all that Jesus commanded. That's what was in the scripture. I don't know if you know this, and I don't have the exact numbers. I could find it out. But if everybody in the city of Jacksonville, let alone Clay County, just forget that, but Duval County, city of Jacksonville, all showed up to go to church on a Sunday morning and tried to go to every single church, small or large, in Nassau, Duval, Clay, St. John's, and we could even go beyond that. There is no possible way that all of the churches in this area could fit all did you know that? It's not, it wouldn't even be close. There'd be so many more people. You see, the only way to fulfill the Great Commission is not just a church is essential, scriptural, biblical. But you have to be in a life of making disciples. That's the multiplication that can happen that allows us to be more effective in fulfilling what Jesus has commanded us to do. So why do I need to do this, Pastor? Telling me all this stuff about discipleship. Why, why do I need to do that? Okay. I'm gonna, I could give you a lot of things as to why scripturally, but I'm going to give you one here that Paul wrote to the Ephesians. Chapter 4, 13 to 15 are the verses. We're going to do this in the Amplified Version as well. It says this. So why do I need to, what do we need to do? Why do we need to deepen and grow in our relationship with Jesus? Why do we need to make disciples that we can make other disciples? Why all this stuff you're talking about? Why does it matter? Here's one of the reasons that it doesn't. Until we all reach oneness in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, growing spiritually, to become a mature believer, reaching to the measure of the fullness of Christ, manifesting his spiritual completeness, and exercising our spiritual gifts in unity. Exercising spiritual gifts is meaningless in a fellowship if it's not done. But doing that, and we're going to talk about spiritual gifts in a future time here coming up soon, some things about that and how it relates to discipleship and developing your relationship with Jesus. Very important. Don't want to have time to go into it today. But, it all, but then it goes on to say in verse 14, so that we are no longer children 
spiritually immature, tossed back and forth like ships on a stormy sea, and carried about by every wind of shifting doctrine, by the cunning and trickery of unscrupulous men, the deceitful scheming of people ready to do anything for personal profit. You know there's people like that out there? You know it can confuse people? Especially people that aren't as mature in their faith. You can get confused by a lot of that. That's what Paul, one of the things Paul's talking about here. But verse 15 says, But speaking the truth in love, in all things, both our speech and our lives, expressing His truth. Let us grow up in all things into Him, following His example, who is the head, the head of the church, Jesus explained further what it meant to be a disciple. That's one good man. If you go back after today and you read that and ask yourself about why would all this be important, why is it necessary, why does it matter, read those three verses a few times and I think that will come into into a little better uh, focus for you. But Jesus explained further what it meant to be a disciple and, and a disciple maker, more importantly, in Luke 6.40, he says this, a disciple is not above his teacher. But everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Can I get you guys on the praise team to come and wrap it up here? So remember this farmer that became a banker, right? Do you think, now just answer this and just think about this. Do you think that banker would become a better banker, become a a more proficient at what he did, would learn faster, would learn the right way if he had an experienced and seasoned and mature banker that came alongside him and walked with him, teaching him all along the way. Do you think he'd be a better banker that way or doing it on his own? That's it. If you had a guy who's been there and done that, so to speak, come alongside and help you, you're going to get there, not only faster, but you're going to get there in a way that's going to, to give you better insights and better grounding because they've been there. See, it's the same thing. Paul was a spiritual coach. The Apostle Paul was, amongst many other things, a missionary, a church planter, a evangelist, whatever. I mean, you know, but, but he was a coach, man. He was a spiritual coach. He emphasized the importance of ongoing growth and discipleship in many of his writings. But one I'll just bring up here that I, that I found particularly interesting. Galatians 4.19. He says this, Oh, my dear children. This is how Paul felt about the people that he was trying to trying to help grow spiritually and get them back on track when they, when they get off track. He helped bring them back in. Now, he was coming alongside a lot of people. It's a little different role than an individual coach. But, but they, yeah, he was still doing that. He says, oh, my dear children, I feel as though I'm going through labor pains for you again. And and they will continue until Christ is fully developed. Disciple makers are to lead people to Christ, yes, and help them mature spiritually. Disciple makers have an intense that they're coming along.
helping them to grow until they're fully trained. So to summarize this, everything I've said today says, to truly fulfill the Great Commission, as Wesley said, we've got to make disciples, not just make converts. We've got to take action. And here's a discipleship, and I believe this is on your list. Discipleship is the privilege and the responsibility of every believer. It's a privilege to do it. To be discipled and to make disciples. It's a privilege. It's a responsibility. Thank you. 